I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be rounding up all the latest Arsenal news. We're going to be talking Reese Nelson. We'll be talking Declan Rice a little bit about the Mason Mount situation as well. We'll be t- talking Cedric Suarez, the brand new kit, and where the future might lay for Nuno Tavares. We'll also be taking lots and lots of your questions from the live chat box as well throughout the duration of the show. So, um, yeah, lots to get through, lots to get into as always. And uh, I can't wait. Uh, Let me say a few hellos because there's plenty of you with us in the live chat already, which is great to see. Big hello to Peeny Ween, always uh, one of the first in the live chat. Hope you're good, mate. Uh, We've got NSW, we've got Junior, we've got Nav, Wandering Minstrel, Afsar's with us. We've got Hanks, uh, Gunner, Deja Vu. Uh, we've got Raphael. We've got Justin. Rodney uh, is here as well. We've got Viju. Did I say that already? Might have done. Luke Williams is here. Uh, Trevor G is with us. Tony Christensen. Matt G is here. James Monroe, Sco, uh, Trevor, Jacob. Loads of you with us uh, today. Great to see you guys all on this uh, Friday afternoon. The sun is shining here in London and I'm absolutely loving it. In my shorts, uh, ready to go. And uh, just, yeah, looking to forward to kind of enjoying uh, the rest of the day. Bit of downtime, hopefully later on. Uh, and building up towards that final game of the season, which we will talk about probably tomorrow morning a little bit. But I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I've said this for for a while now, but I am very much looking forward. I am very much looking ahead now. And although there's nothing riding on the game against Wolves, what it is for me is an opportunity to, to go there, to see all your mates down at the Arsenal one last time to... Uh, well, for the season, not one last time forever. But you know what I mean? To get down there, to say hello to everyone, wish everybody a, a wonderful summer. Um, and... And sort of pay tribute to what this squad have been able to do this season. I know we didn't win it. And I know that, you know, a lot of people will see that as a major disappointment. And a lot of people, you know, have been critical of us as a result of that. But for me, you know, just to make us believe again was a big step forward, was a big move in the right direction. And uh, as a consequence of that, um, I want to say my thanks to the team. I'm sure many other fans feel the same way. And I'm sure that lap of appreciation at the end of the match, uh, which is, of course, tradition on the final day of the season or your final home game of the season, is uh, is going to be well attended, unlike the one we saw down the road uh, just last weekend. But look, really good opportunity uh, to get down there one last time. Hopefully the sun will be shining. Grab a few drinks with your mates. Um, you know, that's that's a big part of football as well. You know, it's not the drinking part, the part in which you socialise. You know, well, for some people, the drinking part is a big part too. But for me, it's about seeing friends. It's about seeing familiar faces. It's about bringing lots and lots of people together. And um, this team have done that this season. You know, they really, really have. There hasn't been that division that we've experienced in recent years. There hasn't been that uh, sort of really difficult relationship that some of us have felt with our football club. There is a togetherness. And um, I know I feel like I keep saying this on every podcast at the moment, but I really do feel it's important that we keep reiterating that message 
going into, um, of course, the final game. Oh, my word. Have you seen the size of that bee? Jesus Christ. Um, I, I could see it hovering behind me, right? I could see it hovering behind me on the camera. And I was like, oh, it's miles away. It's at the other side of the room. And then I felt the buzz go past the back of my ear. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Someone's going to clip that up, aren't they? Oh, well, anyway, uh, let's get into it then. Let's talk uh, Declan Rice. Let's talk Mason Mount. Uh, we're also going to be talking Reese Nelson, uh, Cedric Suarez, Nuno Tavares, the brand spanking new home kit, which was released officially uh, today. We're also going to touch a little bit on the Ivan Tony stuff because further detail has emerged with regards to the charges against him uh, for breaching the gambling rule. So we'll do a bit of that as well, because I think it's an important subject uh, to touch on at the very least. But look, let's start off with Declan Rice. Now, a lot of us for a little while have felt that Arsenal are pretty keen on this deal and that Arsenal will try uh, their very, very best to, to go out and get him this summer. We know that it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, we know that it's going to be a big deal. We know that it's probably something that isn't going to be negotiated and, and sort of agreed upon overnight. I feel like this is one that could drag on for a little while as these big deals tend to do uh, because of the complexity of them and because of the value um, in terms of the, the transfer fee that you're talking about. You know, big business deals don't happen with the click of a finger. It's not a transaction over the counter. It's not buying a box of cigarettes. You know what I mean? This is a This is a big deal. And um, and there'll be lots of clauses and there'll be lots of details and there'll be uh, a need to obviously appease West Ham in terms of what they want. There'll be a need to please the player in terms of what he wants as well. So this feels like something that's probably going to take a little while. Now, in an ideal world, as I say, we'd all get it done. Click of a finger, bang, see you later, move on, focus on another transfer target and uh, and get our summer well and truly underway. Everybody wants to go into pre-season with all of their new players installed in the team and ready to to sort of use that period of time, particularly some of the friendlies, to get to know your teammates, understand a little bit more about what, what it is that you're required to do tactically, et cetera, et cetera. But it isn't always the case that you get those players in early doors. So my warning would be going into this summer window, have a little bit of patience. I do believe that Arsenal want to make these big deals happen. I do believe that... You know, we heard yesterday, what was it, 150 odd million or something of prize money for finishing second in the Premier League is coming our way, um, which is a significant jump up from what you get when you finish in fifth, I think. Um, so, you know, that will help us. I also think we can generate money this summer from sales, which we've talked about quite a bit of late. Um, so I've got faith that Arsenal have the resource to be able to do this type of deal. The question that I probably have in my mind at the moment with regards to someone like Declan Rice is Arsenal will have a valuation of Declan Rice in their minds and West Ham will have a different valuation. You can you can guarantee that. West Ham want upwards of 100 million. Some have reported 120 million. Arsenal, we heard, were preparing an initial opening offer of around about 92 million pounds. Often your opening offer is not the one. So. I'm not surprised to learn that Arsenal are going to start off slightly under the valuation. I guess it's a an opportunity to signal your intent to not just the club that you're hoping to purchase from, but for the player as well. It, it shows the player that you're dead serious. It shows the player that this is a real thing. 
and that you want to move forward with it. So the initial bid is often rejected. So I'm not going to be one of those people that goes, oh, my God, why don't we just go in there with 120 million? Why would you pay 120 million if you might get away with paying 100? You know, these are big, vast amounts of money we're talking about. So that's just the way negotiations work. Right. And and that's what I probably expect to happen. But it was reported yesterday that Arsenal will face strong competition for the signature of Declan Rice, because apparently Manchester United have entered the race to bring him in. Now, Man United have also been linked with Mason Mount. And I actually think that Man United could probably do with both of those players. I think that we could do with both of those players. But with Mason Mount, I'm a little bit more reluctant to kind of overpay. With Declan Rice, I feel like he could be someone that takes us up to the next level. And therefore, I don't mind us stretching that little bit further than maybe what we believe he's worth. With Mason Mount, I'm not of that opinion. You know, Mason Mount's contract situation is different. Uh, Chelsea don't have the option to extend as far as I know in the way that West Ham do with Declan Rice, uh, which weakens Chelsea's negotiation position. Mount, for me, 40 million tops. If that's a possibility, I'd consider it. I think he'd be a good addition to the squad. But with Declan Rice... I think he would take us to another level. And the thing with Declan Rice is because not only would he be great covering the six role if we need him there, but he'd be able to fit in in an eight. Can you imagine going away from home and just wanting a little bit more solidity in the midfield and playing with Partey, who I expect will re-find his form again, Rice and Odegaard in that midfield? Imagine... The, the sort of basis that that gives your team to go on and attack someone away from home if you've got Rice and Partey at full tilt in the middle of the park. I think it's it would be huge if we could get this deal done. But as I say, I know that Arsenal will have um, a, a valuation in mind and I know that that won't be the same as what West Ham have. The question is, will Arsenal push it to the point where they get closer to West Ham's valuation and whereby a deal can eventually be agreed. But as I say, going back to that Manchester United interest, how serious is it? I don't know. Um, Man United will spend this summer. They need to. Uh, I think one of the things that people are worried about from a sort of Manchester United perspective, having spoken to a lot of colleagues of late is, you know, what does the change of ownership thing, you know, the, the fact that that's not gone through yet, still at a sort of sticky stage, does that mean that Man United will be reluctant to go and spend big money at this point because that change of ownership is going on in the background? If that gets done quickly, does that all of a sudden give them the power to go and spend big instantly? Are the prospective owners already lining up transfer targets? There's so many facets to that. You can't really sort of predict what Man United are capable of doing right at this point because of that whole ownership issue, which is obviously a significant one. What I would say, though, is that we've heard many a times over the last few weeks that Declan Rice wants the Arsenal move, that Arsenal have had conversations with Declan Rice's people and that that is something that, you know, isn't really going to be a problem or a hurdle in this entire negotiation. Obviously, the price is the real sticking point and the, where it could potentially fall down, I think. But if I'm West Ham, if I'm Declan Rice's agent, if I'm anybody involved in this deal, with the exception of Arsenal Football Club, I want Man United's name thrown into this. Why do I want Man United's name thrown into this? Well, 
if you are looking to spark a bidding war, you need Manchester United involved. We talk a lot about Manchester City, and rightly so, with regards to their financial dealings and the fact that they are obviously going through this investigation at the moment. But I can't think of a club, maybe with the exception of Chelsea in the last few years, that have consistently overpaid for players more regularly than Manchester United have. They've really, really overpaid for a lot of players in recent seasons. And therefore, if you're a selling club, even if you don't believe they're interested, you're going to want to test the water, aren't you? You're going to want to try and find out if there's any possibility of Manchester United entering this race because you probably feel and know deep down that you could probably push Manchester United that little bit further than you could push Arsenal in terms of what they're prepared to pay you for your player. So if I am an agent, if I am West Ham United, I'm briefing people with this. I'm telling the whole world and their dogs that Declan Rice um, is wanted by Manchester United because it pushes Arsenal to hurry up. It pushes Arsenal to make sure that they're not dwelling on this for too long and, and to make sure that their offers are, if not bang on, at least close to being in line with what um, with what West Ham United are looking for for the player. So I just think from a selling club's perspective, to have Manchester United in the mix is um, is of huge benefit. Now, I'm not saying that Manchester United don't have any interest in Declan Rice. I don't know that they do, and I don't know that they don't. But what I do know is that having them in the conversation strengthens West Ham United's position. The same can be said of Chelsea, who will need to strengthen this summer as well. If you can somehow get Chelsea into the news and, and sort of get Chelsea into this story, drag them into this story, then there's no reason why that doesn't have the, the same effect, maybe a similar effect to what having Manchester United in it does. So the point I'm trying to make here is that I'm not sitting here panicking about him wanting to go to Manchester United over Arsenal. I think Declan Rice is a London boy. Um you know, he gets to stay in and around London if he joins Arsenal. Uh, he gets to play in the Champions League as he would uh, at Manchester United as well after they qualified last night. But he wouldn't get that at Chelsea. I think the project at Arsenal is further along than that at Manchester United. Now, I think the difference is and where maybe some players would find this a difficult decision to make is that you probably feel Manchester United would be willing to spend more and quicker in order to leapfrog and close that gap on Manchester City than maybe we would. But I think we've shown strong and steady progress and there's real stability at Arsenal. And if I was a, a player looking at those two clubs right now, there's only one I'm signing for. I'm still not convinced by Manchester United. I'm still not convinced by their performances. I think their performances often don't reflect on the outcomes. And I think... People will often say, well, you know, they've got experienced players. They know how to win. But to me, if you don't perform well week in, week out, or at least on most weeks, eventually you'll get found out. And I, I think Ten Hag's done a good job in his first season in terms of getting them back into the Champions League. He's won one trophy, could potentially win a second as well, which would make it a really good season for United. But for me, there are still questions there around some of the players, around... Um, you know, the the management to a point, I guess. So yeah, if I were Declan Rice, I'd be I'd be looking at Arsenal first and foremost. But United being in there, I think, means that we have to means that we have to get moving with this. Means that we can't 
pussyfoot around means that we can't get caught in this world of, of sort of being obsessed by what our valuation is. If you don't think that at any point you're going to get close to West Ham's valuation, if you, as a football club, regardless of what the fans think, if you, Edu, if you, Mikel Arteta, don't think that Declan Rice is worth upwards of £100 million, you might as well walk away from this now because that is what he's going to cost, right? That that That's the reality of it. And this is a market that's been ruined and spoiled by other clubs. Chelsea spent, what, upwards of 100 million on Enzo Fernandez, who's got potential, but, you know, he's he's got a lot to prove still. So if he goes for that, then you can understand why West Ham are demanding what they're demanding for Declan Rice, who also ticks the homegrown uh, box as well. So, yeah. We also heard the other day uh, that Mason Mount's preference is to join Manchester United if he's sold this summer. Now, we discussed this just briefly on the show that we were doing at the time because this news from David Ornstein, it broke live as we were on a stream. So I touched on it, but I hadn't had much time to process it, to think about it, to read up on it. And um, the more I think about it, the more I'm surprised by this, actually. Um, I think, you know, you can understand the appeal of Manchester United. You can understand why somebody would want to go there. But, you know, I thought Mason Mount would have a preferred to stay at Chelsea because despite all the sort of criticism we've given Chelsea this season, they're not a million miles away from coming back. We know they can spend. We know they've got a talented squad getting a decent manager. And, you know, who knows how much of an improvement that can make in the short term. But I was surprised that he he seemingly picked um, Manchester United. But you know, again, I go back to the point I was making about Declan Rice. Is there another club in the Premier League that are as likely or more likely to overpay for a player than Manchester United? And the answer is probably not. The only one you could put in that category is the club that would be selling in this instance. Therefore, they're irrelevant. They're void. But I just think if if you're Chelsea and you're talking about having eighty-five million pounds um, as your valuation for Mason Mount, first of all, you're bonkers because he's not worth anywhere near that. But second of all, you, you you wouldn't mind his preference being Manchester United, would you? Because you'd feel like, all right, they might not get to eighty-five, but they'll be the closest there. The problem Chelsea have though with the whole Mason Mount thing is that they're not in a very strong negotiating position. And as we discussed on the Nighty Min show yesterday, there's a, a real possibility that a club goes to Chelsea and says, here's an offer, 40, 50 million pounds, whatever it is, we'll just leave that on the table. And that can sit there throughout the duration of the transfer window whilst you continuously try to thrash out a contract agreement, which seemingly isn't coming. And, um, and with all that, with all the while, the time will be passing. That offer might have an expiration date on it if you want to be at uh, that little bit more forceful and you may find yourself being able to nab the player for a lot less than that 85 million but again if you're going to squeeze the most out of this deal who do you look at you look at man united so mason mount's preference might well indeed be them chelsea will like the fact that that's their preference as well is eric ten Hag completely sold on him though i don't know about that um that would be my only reservation about that story but hey it doesn't mean the two things can't be true it doesn't mean that Mason Mount doesn't want to go to Man United if Eric Ten Hag is is not as as keen as maybe others might be. You, you just don't know. 
So uh, those are the two uh, bits I wanted to cover with regards to Declan Rice and, of course, Mason Mount. Let me take a few of your comments as well before we uh, break uh, for a quick message uh, from our sponsors as well. Uh, lots of you talking about the potential of a bidding war. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, we have more money coming and a bigger budget this year. Agreed. Uh, Jacob says, uh, Rice wants to stay in London. Also mentioned that point, which I feel is an important one. Uh, Damien says, big up from Jamaica, Harry. Hope you're well, mate. And to all our Jamaican listeners, hope you're good. Um, I can imagine it's pretty sunny where you are too. So uh, enjoy your day. Um, Hank says, Chelsea and United have actually won the UEFA Champions League, Harry. Basically trying to make the point that I think Mount or I don't know which one you're referring to, Mount or Rice would prefer to go to either of those two clubs. Manchester City hadn't won jack shit before um, the money came in. History is important in football, but you can't base your choice solely on history. You have to base your choice on where you think the club is going. Otherwise, nobody would have signed for Manchester City in the first place. Look at them reaping the rewards for that now. You know, yes, those clubs have won the Champions League and we'd love to do that. But the history, as great as it is, is irrelevant to Declan Rice or to Mason Mount because they want to win it themselves. They don't want to join a club just so they can say they played for a club that won the Champions League 10 years ago. So I get what you're saying. I'm not knocking the status of those two clubs, but, you know, I, I don't think that's as relevant a point when it comes to deciding on your future as, uh, as some people would have it. Paul McPaul says Arteta must not settle for other targets. He must insist on his first targets, period. And I kind of agree with that. I'm a realist, so I know that you don't always get the players you want. And I know that you can't always do the deals that you want to do. That's the reality of football. It's the same in any business. You know, there are deals that you look at and you think, yeah, great, this is what I want. And there are deals that you look at and say, well, this appeals to me, but it's not necessarily my first choice. I think Arsenal have to exacerbate their options when it comes to their first choice players, because we're at the point now where we're not building from the very beginning. We're not building the foundation anymore. I believe the foundation is there now. What we're doing now is trying to take it to the next level and to go to the next level. There's a very select group of players out there that have the ability of, of propelling you up to that. And so I agree with Paul in that. You identify your targets. Yeah, you have a couple of backup options in the event that you can't get those deals done. Because as I say, it's a business and there is a chance that you won't be able to get the deals that you want done. But you have to be doing that, moving to those second and third choice targets in the knowledge that you've done everything within your power to try and get the first choice targets. And if you've done that, then, you know, then then that's how it, and it, that's how it has to be. Then you can sleep with your conscience clear, I guess. Uh, Mikey says, uh, Harry, between you and me, I don't think it's between you and me because the whole chat's read it, but you know what I mean? Uh, I feel Cronkies have the ability to surprise us in the market. I hope you're right, mate. I hope you're right. Um, Alistair Ben, uh, not as set on um, on uh, Declan Rice. He says, if we get Rice, great. But if we don't, as long as the club have another player lined up, then no worries. Um what else have we got in the chat? Uh, what else have we got? Uh, lots of debate about Paul McPaul's comment in the chat. Um, 
Mohammed says, and, and we'll do the questions later, but I'll take this generally, but I'll do this one now. Do you agree with me, Harry, that this is the most difficult and important market for Arsenal, considering the amount of competition of so-called big six trying to sign the same top players? We were discussing this in the office yesterday. I can't remember a summer where such a big group of clubs were all looking at such a select group of players, particularly midfielders this time around. So it feels like it's really, really important. And I feel like it's kind of now or never for Arsenal. I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to drop off next season and and not be any good or or that they're going to, um, you know, just fade away and, and sort of disappear. But when your stock is high, you, you have to strike while the iron's hot. While there is excitement and buzz around the Arsenal project, which there is, regardless of how it ended, you speak to people out in the wider world. Take the, the tribal, you know, online noise away and speak to actual football people. They'll all tell you that Arsenal are moving in the right direction. They'll all tell you that they're excited by the project. They'll all tell you that Arsenal have made huge strides forward. And that is a tool that we can use in the market. Look at the progress we've made without you. Think about where we can go with you in the team and with you in the picture, particularly when you're talking to big, powerful, transformative players like Declan Rice. You are the missing puzzle piece. That's how you sell it to them. That's how you sell the Arsenal dreams people and the Arsenal project. And you've got that evidence, very recent evidence, to be able to back up what you're saying and to back up that you know how to get to the next level because you've already navigated past a couple of levels so far. You get to next season and you finish in the top four just about, which could easily happen because of the fact that football changes very, very quickly. And, you know, there are a number of clubs that you expect to go out and spend significant amounts of money this summer. All of a sudden, that evidence or, or, or that sort of pull that you had based on the progress you'd made over the last 12 months is now 18, 24 months ago and is no longer as relevant and is no longer as powerful. So if you want the big players, you have to strike while the iron's hot. I really do believe that. So I agree with Mohammed in that this is going to be a really, really t uh, tough window uh, for um, for Arsenal, for sure. Um, guys, I can see a few questions uh, coming through. Please do hold on to those. Um, I'm trying to sort of uh, favour as many of them as I can so that they stick in my uh, my little folder for later on in the show. But if you could hold on to them, that'd be great. And then I'll ask you to pop them back in a, late, a little bit later on in the show um, when we're going to do the questions. And that way they just don't get lost in the chat box, which quite easily happens. Uh, guys, just a quick one before we continue on through the show. Uh, there's around about 250 of you with us live right now, which is amazing uh, considering it is lunchtime, smack bang in the middle of the working day. But if I could ask you guys uh, to please leave a like on the video, that would really, really help. There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 100 likes on the board. Subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, if you're brand new, that really, really does help. So, um, yeah, please do get involved. Uh, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. Okay, look, I'm going to take a very, very short pause, bring you a quick message from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with more Arsenal chat. We're going to talk Reese Nelson, Cedric Suarez, Nuno Tavares, and, of course, the new kit. Lots and lots to get into, as well as you guys' questions. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in about, what, 20 seconds, 30 seconds? <laughs> 
Don't forget the Chronicles of Aguna podcast is brought to you by the good people over at NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network service that allows you to surf the web with extra protection, particularly useful if you're someone that uses public Wi-Fi a lot or travels a lot. Also, uh, using NordVPN allows you to change your geolocation when surfing the World Wide Web, which opens up a world of possibilities. As you guys all know, I do like a bit of Greek television from time to time, but I can never access the iPlayers of the channels I want to watch because of the geo blocks on them. I'm logging in from the UK, means I can't get anywhere near the programs I want. But with NordVPN, I can change my virtual location and that bypasses that issue, meaning I can select where in the world I want my browser to think that I am. This costs the price of a cup of coffee per month and allows me to watch TV shows, films, streams, uh, access subscriptions and all the rest of it that I couldn't normally do otherwise. So NordVPN is really a game changer. And in terms of VPN services, they are very much the best in the business. As I say, cost the price of a cup of coffee per month. And if you sign up using our link in the description, which is nordvpn.com forward slash chronicles AFC, you'll get yourself a significant discount on your plan, as well as up to four additional months for free at the end of it. This offer expires in the next few days. So if you are interested in this, make sure you hit it up nice and quickly. If you've got any questions on this, then give me a shout because I am a user of the product and very much an advocate of it. Uh, so I'll be able to talk through any queries or questions that you might have. You'll be supporting the Chronicles of Aguda podcast and NordVPN as well. And we thank you for your support. I'll um, get back to the football chat now. Thank you for bearing with me and a big thank you, of course, to NordVPN. Right. Um, what should we do next? Reese Nelson. Let's do Reese Nelson because it has emerged today that Reese Nelson um, is going to uh, or is seemingly going to accept the contract offer that has been put on the table for him by Arsenal Football Club. We've been discussing this a lot uh, over the last few weeks. What's going to happen with Reese Nelson? I think he's had a pretty good campaign without even playing too much. Does that make sense? When he's been given opportunities, particularly on the left hand side, particularly as a substitute. You have to say he's been able to impact games really, really well. And, and I like it. Um, I, I like the fact that we've got someone on the bench that comes on and and sort of, what's the, I'm trying to think what the right term is here, injects an energy and a, a directness that at times over the course of the season we've lacked. Now, this report came uh, from The Athletic earlier today. A uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Art de Rocher, was the one uh, who wrote the story. Uh, let me bring it up. Hold on a second. No, that's not the one I want. That's not the one I want. Um, you'd have thought I'd have learned how to use this thing properly by now. But anyway, no, that's not what I want. I want this one. There we go. Uh, so Art de Rocher of The Athletic put this uh, out today. Reese Nelson is set to agree a new contract with Arsenal, the expected new deal. Uh, comes to recognise the 23-year-old is an important member of the squad as Arsenal return to the Champions League next season. Uh, negotiations are ongoing, are continuing. So this is not done just yet, uh, but it is uh, expected that he will agree uh, terms on what will be an initial four-year contract. I like Reese Nelson. As I say, I think he's talented. I think 
he deserves more game time than he's got. I think had Martinelli not been in the electric form that he's been in all season, you'd have seen a lot more of Reese Nelson. For me, in terms of that left-hand side, he's ahead of Emil Smith-Rowe, who did play there um, the season before. Uh, the one that's just about to end, of course, because that's where he got a lot of his goals from. Reese Nelson has leapfrogged him there, and it's down to Reese Nelson. It's down to Emil Smith Rowe, I should say, if he sees his future in that position, um, to kind of dislodge him from there. I know people keep saying and reporting that Emil Smith Rowe is going to become an eight. Still not totally convinced about that myself, but anyway, um, I think Reese Nelson deserves this. And the other thing you got to remember as well, and again. You know, we talked about this when we signed up Eddie Nketiah on a new deal and people were up in arms about that and, and sort of disappointed in that and unhappy with the terms, et cetera, et cetera. For me, signing somebody like Reese Nelson or Eddie Nketiah up for four or five years doesn't mean that you have to hold on to them for four or five years. It means that should you decide during that period that actually they're not going to make it or should they decide that they're not getting enough game time they're not getting as much as they'd like and that they feel a move elsewhere is best for their careers you're in a position to get a transfer fee for them and a pretty good one at that i will go out on a limb now i will stick my neck out and i will say that in three years time neither eddie and ketia nor reese nelson will still be at this football club yet both of their contracts would still have time to run on them in theory. But this just puts Arsenal in a good position in the sense of, well, you get an opportunity to have another look at him. You can cash in on him a little bit later on and do it for some value. Because if Reese Nelson walks away at the end of this season, he walks away on a free. So that has no monetary value to Arsenal Football Club. So this is about giving these players a bit more time, another opportunity. Clearly, Mikel Arteta likes them. He watches them week in, week out, day in, day out on the training pitch. We don't. But it's also about protecting the football club and protecting them as assets. They're young English players, homegrown, etc., etc. These guys in the market have value, but only if they're on contracts and decent contracts. And that's what Arsenal uh, have made sure that they're going to do or have made sure of with Eddie Nketiah and are trying to make sure of with Reese Nelson as well. So um, look, I think it's deserved. Congratulations to Reese Nelson. I saw someone in the comments. It was Mark. Uh, Mark's always really positive. He says, RIP Reese Nelson's career. Bit harsh. Um, bit harsh for me. But, you know, Reese Nelson has taken that that offer um, or, or is going to take that offer from what we understand. Um, but, yeah. Hank says, uh, just going back on the um, on the Enketia point, he says, "Good luck with trying to cash in on a hundred k per week, Enketia." Yeah, but that's that's not our problem, you know. The 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 wages are not that big of a deal when a player's got sell on value. You know that that's that's how it goes. And also, Eddie Enketia is a centre forward who scores goals. Goals are the most valuable commodity in football. What some of those teams down at the bottom of the Premier League right now would give to have a striker that would score 10 to 15 league goals. You wouldn't believe. I promise you it's more than 100k a week. Um, you know, and, and also that's on the player, right? If the player feels they're not getting their game time and, and feels that they want to progress their career, they'll probably have to at some point go, well, you know what? Maybe I'll have to go somewhere where I'm getting paid 80k a week, you know, just to... To make that happen, poor, poor players, 80k a week. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, right. Uh, Mohammed says Nelson fully deserved. David Smith says, so glad it looks like Reese is staying. 
how much would it cost to get another winger in to replace him to compete with Martinelli and Saka? Now he can put that money into midfield. Yeah, maybe that's a decision that Arsenal have taken. Maybe they've looked at Reese Nelson's progress. They've enjoyed what they've seen from him and decided that they'd be better off spending the money, um, you know, on on midfield and, you know, that when you weigh up what it's going to cost to bring someone in, that's going to be what second or third in line in comparison. Actually, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, a big hello to Tom over at the Guna talk. Make sure you're subscribed to the Guna talk. Uh, if you're not already, you should be, if you're not, you're seriously missing out uh, daily content over on the Guna talk TV It's where I go at 8am in the morning. Uh, to listen to uh, the roundup of news. I don't always comment in the chat because I'm normally brushing my teeth at the same time or something. But uh, big shout out to Tom uh, for all the wonderful work he does. Give him a follow, give him a subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. And he makes the point that Stuart Armstrong is on 65K down at the bottom of the league with Southampton. We won't struggle to move in Ketia on due to his wage. Agreed. Um, agreed on that. Uh, I, Yeah, I agreed. I think that when you... When you have a player that brings something to the table that you're desperately in need of, particularly in the modern game, all of a sudden 100k doesn't seem like a crazy amount of money anymore. Um, not in the way that it did maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe even longer. Uh, Wilson says, happy Friday. Harry Wilson is in the house. Welcome, uh, Wilson. How's it going, mate? Uh, guys, can I just ask uh, one more time for you to leave a like on the video, please? There's uh approaching 300 of you watching across the multiple platforms just 66 likes on the board come on um it really really does help like subscribe if you're listening on audio leave us a review as well okay uh that's the reese nelson bit cedric suarez apparently wants to fight for his place at arsenal oh, come on um there were times at the back end of this season, you're, I'm going to get so much stick for saying this. I, I really, really am. There were times at the back end of this season when we were really struggling at centre-back where I thought to myself, I wish we didn't loan Cedric out because I'd have preferred to have been that tiny bit weaker at right-back with Cedric, who actually in possession is is okay, I think. I'd have preferred to have had Cedric there and pushed Ben White inside than did what we did. Now, I'm not saying that Cedric is is good enough or that we should persist with him. I personally think that we should just cut our losses and move on from him. But I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't a point in the last few months where I went, why have we loaned this guy out? You know, we could have done with that. We could have done with that option of bringing him in at right back, particularly at home against some of the weaker sides. And just stabilising ourselves at right centre-back. Obviously, nobody knew that both William Saliba and Takahiro Tomiyasu were going to pick up long-term injuries. Um, nobody knew that we were going to find ourselves in the situation that we did. And so hindsight is a wonderful thing. And it's very easy with hindsight to be critical of decisions taken, which at the time you had no issue with. And I'll be honest, I had zero problem with Cedric going out when he did. I just thought we could have done with him at a certain point, but, you know, it could have quite easily come in done poorly. And my view on that would have been completely different. Matt makes a really good point in the chat. He says, in fairness, of course, Cedric is going to say that. 
He's still contracted to Arsenal. He can't say he wants to leave because then no one would come in for him. And that's right as well. And that's where we sometimes as fans have to be able to kind of understand the context in which things are said. I think very, very often, you know, we hear a comment, we read a comment, we jump on a comment. And then when, I, when actually when you think about it and when you break it down, Matt's absolutely spot on. He's an Arsenal player by contract. What's he going to say? Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there. Then you'd say he lacks professionalism. Then you'd say he's uh, throwing his toys out the pram. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right to say um, that Cedric kind of has to say that. And if he said anything else, he'd have been criticised for that too. Um, James Bond says, Harry, your morning shows are back. No, 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 no. <laughs> Me, mornings, the two things just, just don't go. Uh, that's Tom's show over on the Guna Talk TV. Again, go over there, subscribe. Um, make sure uh, that you've got your notifications turned on and pick up all of Tom's wonderful content uh, early in the morning. It's always a great place to start your day uh, because you get uh, a nice feel of what the news is. And, and I like starting my day uh, with Tom's show. So, um, of course, I'm going to recommend it to you guys as well. Uh, what else have we got? Um, so we've established that I don't particularly want Cedric Suarez back, but they kind of had to say that, didn't he? Uh, anyway, let's take a couple of comments and then we'll move on to talk about the new kit. Um, I really like it. I do. Um, I know not everybody does. Um, and we'll come on to maybe some of the reasons why uh, in a little bit. But first, uh, let's quickly... Um, take some of your comments from the live chat. What have we got? What have we got? What have we got? Uh, Dial Square says, Harry, what? No, sorry. I confused myself. Here we go. Harry, the point with Reese is that he can cover Saka or the other wing. And that means by signing him, we can ring fence funds for the midfield and centre forward positions instead of bringing in a wide forward for £40 million. It's a good point. I have to say that I don't really like Reese playing from the right. I, I I don't think he's the same from the right uh, for whatever reason. But you're right, having more wingers in the squad. So if you think about the wingers that we have available to us right now, yeah. So you think about based on you know today, you've got Saka, Martinelli, Trossard, Emil Smith Rowe can play from the left wing. I would say as well if you need him to keep referencing last season and how well he did there in terms of his uh, outputs from that position. So that's four options you have already. Add Reese Nelson in, that's five options across two positions. You'd argue that we're pretty well stopped there. And you'd argue that actually the priority list maybe changes a little bit if you feel that Reese Nelson could do that job. I was very much a believer in the fact that we probably needed... Um, another winger to play on the right. And I still think that overall, I still think we could do with a better option to play from the right than Reese Nelson. But if the club who know what they're able to spend, we don't, despite all the war chest claims, if the club know that they're able to spend X amount of drawn up a rough plan with regards to what they think they can do this summer and feel like that is the one that needs to be left or the solution or the problem that is solved with Reese Nelson, then you kind of have to just accept that and take it on the chin. Um, also, Jacobs highlights Marquinhos as well. Yeah, of course, um, don't really know where Marquinhos features right now in Mikel Arteta's plans. I'm sure that will become 
clearer over the coming months. But yeah, you're right to say uh, that he's in the mix as well. Uh, what else have we got um, in the chat box? I'll take a couple more. Uh, Raphael Lim says, hi, Harry, will you be doing any commentaries for friendly matches during the off season? I've got to be honest with you, mate. I don't know at this moment in time. Um, I don't have a clue exactly what my summer is going to look like at this moment in time. Um, any work comes my way, of course, uh, I'd love to do it, particularly um, if it's covering the Arsenal. Um, but I haven't got any concrete plans with regards to that. If we're not covering games uh, or if I'm not covering games, then, yeah, let's do the Arsenal preseason matches on here uh, if we can. Um, but I'm going to be traveling a little bit in the summer as well. I need a break. I need a holiday. Uh, so I'm going to take um, a bit of time in August. Not ideal because the season would have started, uh, but I've got a wedding uh, at which I'm the best man overseas. So I'm taking a week out then uh, as a bit of forewarning, going over with the family uh, to Greece for a bit of a break. And um, I am off to uh, Istanbul um, for the Champions League final in what just under a couple of weeks time. Uh, to cover that one for 90 min. Very much looking forward to that as well. So apart from that, my preseason and summer plans are a little bit still up in the air. So I'll keep you posted and updated on what exactly is uh, is happening. Uh, right. Let's go on to the new kit then, shall we? Let's have a let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at this bad boy. I've seen. I've seen the reaction today. I think most people are, are cool with it and, and quite like it. have seen a few, though, that have been quite critical of it actually what the hell was that anyway um if i bring up this tweet can i go across the pictures yeah i can there we go uh so this is it um being modeled by some of our women's team there as well leah williamson of course one of them bakayo saka there um gabrielle jesus i think it looks a great beth mead as well i think it looks great I, I really think it looks great and the reason i think it looks great is because one of my favourite Arsenal kits in living memory is, and I'll show you it. Let me bring it up on the screen now. Bear with me a second. For those of you listening, you'll just have to use your imagination and try and remember which one it is that I'm talking about. Um, hold on. Can I get a clear image of this? One second. Here we go. So my favourite Arsenal home kit in the last, actually in my life, is this one. Uh, where are we going with this? Hold on. There we go. Is the 0405 kit. Remember this one? This was an, an, an absolute beauty. This was a beauty. And you know why I loved it so much? Because I love that gold trim. I love the collar. I hate collars on football shirts. So I liked the fact that it was like that type of collar that you see in the image. Um, and I love the gold trimming. That for me was elite. And I love the back of this one as well, because I love the fact that it had the box for the name and then the number would be um, sort of printed within the confines of that shape, which was also elite as well. So this is one of my favorite, if not my, no, let me I'm all over the place today. This is my favorite Arsenal kit that I can remember. So the reason I like today's one is because it is quite similar in that it is red and white, the Arsenal traditional colours, of course, with the white sleeves um, encompassing all of those bits that, you know, we, we see as vital, but it has the gold features as well, which I absolutely love. I don't really like it when they put blue on the Arsenal home kits, not for me, um, to Tottenham for me. I love it when they put gold in, though. I think gold is the, the perfect colour. 
to accompany the, the red and white. I love that Adidas logo doesn't have any text. I know that's a thing that Adidas are doing now across uh, pretty much all the kits that they're making and stuff, but I just think it looks elite. It looks so much better without the text. It's fantastic. Um, love the gold stripes on the top of the sleeves. Love the red trim around the edge of the sleeves. Love that we've gone with white socks as well. I always prefer Arsenal kits with white socks than red socks. Um, don't ask me why. I'm a bit weird like that. Uh, but yeah, um, so I'm really, really pleased with it. Um, I've already ordered one. So, uh, yep, yeah, can't wait to get my hands on that. Um, ordered one for the little man as well. And uh, I'm sure he'll be running around in it <laughs> as soon as it arrives. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really happy with it. Not so happy with the away kit. Uh, I know a lot of you feel the same as well, but let's just enjoy the home one. Last year, I wasn't massively keen on the home kit or the one that we're wearing or have been wearing. I wasn't massively keen on that. Um, but I love the away kit and this time it's the other way around. Um, Arsenal are going to wear this kit, I understand, on Sunday against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I think that will be the real tester for those that are maybe a little bit on the fence about this. Because often I've looked at kits um, in sort of images and been like, mm, it's okay. But then when I've seen it worn in a match situation, I've gone, actually, I really like that. So I think that could be the case with this one as well for a lot of people. Uh, just a quick reminder, guys, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. Uh, we're so close to that 100 mark. Uh, we've got 96 on the board already, but it's not quite enough. Right. Should we do Ivan Tony, Nuno Tavares, and then take your questions? I think we will. But before uh, we do that, we're going to take a very, very, very short pause. <laughs> Okay, let's do the Ivan Tony stuff. Um, the reason I wanted to do this is because I think this is a, a wider issue in football. And um, I've talked about it briefly in the past, but I feel like particularly now, given what's going on with Ivan Tony, we really need to give this the attention that it deserves. Now, Ivan Tony had a, a sort of investigation hanging over his head with regards to gambling. Um, obviously not ideal. You don't want to hear of professional sports people involved in this type of thing, particularly when, um, you know, they are breaking the rules of the game. And I must admit, when I first heard that Ivan Tony had been banned for eight months from all football inactivity, I thought it was really harsh. And the reason I thought it was harsh was because I was of the assumption and of the opinion that, you know, well, if he was betting on football that had nothing to do with him, you know, is that that big a deal? I know you shouldn't do it because you, you probably have the chance of getting inside information from your mates or, or from colleagues or from fellow pros. And, you know, you may be privy to information that sort of the wider world are not. I get all of that. But I because I was under the assumption that it was nothing to do with the clubs he'd been playing for or anything like that, I didn't really see it as that big a deal. Um. I thought it was wrong, obviously, because it broke the rules and that a punishment needed to be dished out. But eight months from all footballing activity for me felt excessive. Now, since then, earlier today, in fact, further details of this have been uh, published. And this has changed my opinion on Ivan Tony's punishment. So the Brentford striker has been diagnosed with a gambling addiction as the FA releases the written reasons into eight-month ban. Ivan Tony placed 13 bets on his own club to lose and has been diagnosed with a gambling addiction, 
the FA's written reasons have revealed. Um, so he put 13 historical bets on his own club to lose, um, as, as was highlighted in that sort of high-level part. Uh, 126 bets were in matches in a competition in which Tony's club had participated in or were eligible to participate in. Of those 126 bets, 29 involved clubs Tony was registered with or on loan with at the time. 16 of those 29 bets were on Tony's team to win 15 different matches. Uh, and Tony played in 11 of those matches and was an unused sub in another. I mean, if he's betting on his team to win, he's not going to fluff that, is he? Um, but 13 of the 29 bets were on Tony's own team to lose in seven different matches between August 22nd, 2017 and March the 3rd, 2018. But Tony did not play in any of those matches. 11 of the 13 bets were against Newcastle while Tony was on loan at another club. Uh, Tony also admitted uh, lying to investigators on more than one occasion after he initially denied he had bet on football. He has since taken to social media to say, I'll speak soon with no filter. Interesting. Um, interesting. Now, look, as I say, I thought the punishment initially was a bit excessive. Now I don't, looking at that. Um, and that's why it's important that when these punishments are dished out, the reasoning is provided as well. Um, obviously, it's been a little while since the punishment was announced and, and there's been a lot of time to speculate about what exactly Ivan Tony did. Now it's clear, or the findings of the investigation at least are clear, what I would say, though, is, and I've talked about this before, football has a really, really strong relationship with gambling. That it's and it's so much so that it's impossible to expect no crossover between the two things. I do work for gambling companies, right? I, you know, I do it. I'm, I, haven't, I haven't got a problem with gambling myself. I, I think it's something that you should be allowed to do if you want to do it but obviously there are circumstances and cases in which you need to respect the rules and being a professional footballer sportsman is is one of them Ivan Tony has been diagnosed according to this with a gambling problem and that that for me is the most important part here not what he's done is he's done it now it's finished it's gone the punishment is done as well that's been dished out that's not going to change the focus now has to be on helping Ivan Tony with this problem because football's relationship with gambling, in my opinion, means we have a responsibility as a sport to look after the people that get dragged into this crossover and and suffer for it. Gambling can ruin people's lives. I've seen people ruin their lives through gambling with my own two eyes. It can happen. So I think now, you know, we you know, we we know what what the investigations found. Now the focus has to be on Ivan Tony's rehabilitation, if you like, and and helping him through this problem. I'm a massive believer that everybody in life will make mistakes. Everybody in life will do things that they're not particularly proud of at one point or another. There's not a single person in the world that can sit there and say, I'm proud of every single thing I did, every single thing I said. Anyone who tells you that is a bullshitter, right? That's not the reality of life. What's important, though, is education. We always talk about education when it comes to racism, when it comes to um, gambling, any serious subject, we talk about the need for education. In order to provide education, you have to punish, of course, so that people understand the consequences. That's the first action that you take. But you also then need to try and help that person become better. 
even if you feel like they're below deserving it at certain points, particularly with racists, you look at them, I look at them and I think you're beyond helping. You're a moron. You know, there's there's nothing that I can say that's going to change your mind because you're an idiot. But I think you have to try because if you go down the path of thinking that anybody who makes a mistake is never going to get better, then what's the point? You might as well just lock them up and throw away the key. People can get better, I think, in any way. I've got better in things than I was when I was 18, 19. Different person now. You can get better. So I think what you need to do is um, is dish out the relevant punishment, as has been done with Ivan Tony, but particularly in this case, there's a massive responsibility on football for me to help him through this as well. Um, just wanted to talk about that because I think it's very easy in these situations to just leave someone uh, out to to dry and um i think um i think actually particularly in this case where betting has been allowed to breed in football in terms of sponsorships and various other ways we have to um you know we have to help these people out and um at least try if they don't want to take the help then then that's that's on them but you have to try um you have to try uh Wandering Minstrel highlights that gambling sponsorship is slowly being taken away. It is, which is an acknowledgement that the relationship between sport and gambling in terms of the way we go about promoting it is wrong. And, and that in itself kind of proves the point, doesn't it, that that we need to help these people when they get to this situation. Uh, Raphael says, agree with you, Harry. Ivan may struggle with gambling way past his football career if he does not receive the appropriate support. Absolutely. Um, so he deserves the punishment. Not saying he doesn't. And he'll serve that punishment. But, you know, at the same time, there, there needs to be a, a willingness, I think, to to try and help him through um, what is obviously an, an issue for him um, as well. And and also, you know, there's always two sides to every story. Uh, the truth is normally somewhere in the middle. But I'm looking forward to listening to what Ivan Tony has to say after he revealed that he'll be speaking soon without any filter. OK, uh, let's take it on then. Uh, in other news, apparently... According to record in Portugal, West Ham United are interested in Nuno Tavares. Why? Have him. Have him. Um, have him. Honestly, I, I just, I can't get my head around Nuno Tavares as a player. I, I really, really struggle with him because I think he's got so many raw physical attributes that make him perfect for the Premier League and that could see him go on and be a really, really good, useful player for someone. But at the same time, he has these lapses in concentration and he frustrates the living hell out of me. Um, I've even seen him play a few times for Marseille this season and thought oh, for five minutes he looked brilliant and then for five minutes he looked like a kid on a playground, doesn't know where he's supposed to go. Um, it, it's it's mad, isn't it? But um, interesting that West Ham won him because if they do, maybe we can shave five, seven million off of the um off of the Declan Rice price, who knows? Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting. Uh, Nuno Tavares apparently wanted by West Ham United. We're going to be doing uh, over the next week our um, keep, sell, maybe sell <laughs> show, uh, where we're going to be going through the squad, trying to work out what we should and shouldn't do this summer. We've also got our season review pieces uh, dropping over the next few days as well. It's a two-parter. Uh, so we focused on pre-World Cup and post-World Cup, um, which uh, which I think you guys will enjoy. There was a lot to unpack, so I felt it was better to split it into two episodes and do them properly. 
Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's that. Look, let's take a few more of your questions then. Um, what have you guys uh, got for me in the live chat box? Quick reminder, leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. We've hit the 100 mark, but I'd love to get it closer to 150 if possible. If you're listening on audio, please do uh, leave us um, a review. Really, really does help. But look, quick pause again, and we'll be back solely focusing on your questions. I've saved a few, but keep them coming. Okay, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. Question time. Right, um, Cesar Barragan says, uh, would you consider Gonzalo Ramos from Benfica as a forward option? Speaking of working for a betting company, I recently done um, a show that I was hosting with regards to the Portuguese league. I'm not the expert, just the host, just the man who asks the question. But I was working with a, a brilliant uh, Portuguese journalist who spoke very, very highly of Gonzalo Ramos to the point where I started to want the player without having hardly seen him play just on a handful of occasions. What I will say is apparently it's pronounced Gonzalo Ram, Ramos Ramos. I was going to try and do the, the, the accent and I couldn't do it. Oh, my God. That's another clip for the show. There you go. you got the B trying to sting me in the back of the head mid-podcast. And you've got that Gonzalo Ramos, something like that. Anyway, anyway, Portuguese is not my strong point, as you can probably tell. But look, 18 goals in, uh, in the uh, Portuguese top flight this season, seven assists which means 25 direct goal contributions in 29 appearances. He's participated in 32% of Benfica's goals in the league this season. And um, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be looked at. Uh, very much a centre-forward. Has been known to drop into those slightly deeper pockets as well, which um, probably suits Arsenal in the way that we like to play. Just 21 years old. Uh, contract expires, though, June 2026, which means Benfica, if they do allow him to leave, are going to want top dollar. And can you blame them with a goal record like that? He does have a release clause of uh, a uh, of 120 million euros. Uh, he is very much a Benfica lad. Joined the youth team, youth academy, I think, uh, back at the start of the 13-14 season, maybe even prior to that. And has worked his way up through uh, youth academy under 15s, under 17s, under 19s, Benfica B, and then he made his way up into the first team as well. I like Gonzalo Ramos. Um, I would consider him as an option, um, but the price is going to be pretty hefty on that. And and to go and spend that on a striker would suggest that we're not pleased with Jesus, or, or that we don't think that Jesus is good enough to be the number one anymore. And whereas some of you have maybe said that over the last few weeks because of sort of comparisons made to the likes of Erling Haaland, etc., I don't believe Mikel Arteta sees it that way. I don't see it that way either, but I don't believe Mikel Arteta will feel like it, he can afford this summer to spend. I mean, the clause is massive, 120 million euros, probably get him for 70, 75 million euros. Maybe that's a wild stab in the dark in terms of a figure, but you'd expect Benfica to demand that kind of money. When you think about what they wanted for Darwin Nunez, you might even be talking about more for Gonzalo Ramos, who's 21 years old, as I say, and, and has the world at his feet at the moment. Uh, 
Uh, Joe Musashi says, Harry, wouldn't FFP have kicked in had we signed uh, Mudrik during the January transfer window? It would be great if you could do a video explaining this in terms of Arsenal. Um, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know how close to the red or not Arsenal are in terms of FFP at this moment in time. I don't believe in FFP anymore because I think it's an absolute farce. Uh, the fact that it's not implemented in the right way and, and nobody seems to suffer any consequences for breaching those rules drives me absolutely insane. But what we can say on a, a kind of surface level is that, you know, spending upwards of you know, 80, 90 million pounds, whatever it was that Madrid was going to cost us had he come to Arsenal probably wasn't the wisest thing to do given that he's really really struggled to settle uh, down in London I think he will come good eventually though I do think he's a talent Mikhail Madrid but you know obviously it feels at this moment in time like we kind of dodged the bullet a little bit Wondering Minstrel says uh, do you think Yuri is still a viable option Harry I do um, I think that Yuri Tielemans will be seen by Arsenal in the same type of bracket as Mason Mount. Now, people will say, that's wild. Look at Mason Mount. He's uh, he's going to cost upwards of £50 million, £60 million. Yuri Tiedemann is available on a free. I don't think in terms of natural ability, there's that much between them, uh, if I'm being honest with you. Tiedemann's stock has fallen a bit because he hasn't had the greatest of seasons. And, of course, Leicester, on a team level, have had a really disappointing campaign as well. But uh, I think Yuri Tiedemann's is, is someone I'd, I'd look at, particularly given he's available on a free. Um, let's take this one from Matt who says, Harry, imagine you're Arteta. Give us your 30 second elevator pitch to Declan Rice to convince him to join the club. Oh, this is good. This is a really good one, Matt. I love this. My 30 second elevator pitch. Right. Let me wait till the clock gets to 20 seconds and I'll start. Um, okay, so uh, guys, uh, that's what Mikel would say at the start, isn't it? Shit, running out of time. Um, Declan, you're a great player. You'd be the missing puzzle piece in our midfield. Your physicality, power and technical ability would add so much. You'd be given much more freedom in this Arsenal side to get forward at will because we dominate games. We're moving in the right direction. You'd be the next piece in the puzzle. We're playing in the Champions League and we're going again next season for the big one. Come on, lad. Did I make it? You just about made it with a second to spare. There you go. Um, <laughs> just having a look through uh, some more of your questions. I'm trying to pick up from a variety of different people. So I apologize for the slight silence. Um, Ayoku says, hello, Harry. Greetings from Canada. Would you be coming for the U.S. tour? There is a possibility, it's not set in stone, it's not done by any means, but there is a possibility that I'll be coming to the States, uh, to Vegas, at the end of July. If I do, I'm going to try and go to LA first um, for for the Arsenal game with Barcelona, I think. Um, that's my intention. If the, the the Vegas bit of work is on, then, then I will do that. I'd love to come over. I haven't been to the US ever. So, um, yeah, if I am, I'll be sure to let you guys know. And um, and I'd love to catch up with some of you because I know we've got a lot of American uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, Wilson says, uh, since Xhaka is leaving Arsenal, do you think that we need to sign three midfielders, Harry? Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that's why the Xhaka thing feels to me like a real spanner in the works because I'd have been quite happy to keep him. And... Um, 
and sort of add a couple of really good ones. Go from, um, you know, go from sort of signing players within one bracket to that next bracket that we probably need um, to, uh, you know, to, to hopefully maintain the standard we set this season and, and potentially push on one more. Uh, <laughs> uh, tired Gunnosaurus says, oh my God, Harry, that 30 seconds has convinced Rice to go to Man U. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a salesman, am I? Uh, not a salesman at all. Um, Creambone says, Harry, how much money do we get from CL? I think being in the group stage is worth about 40, 50 million pounds in broadcast rights alone. Um, from what I understand. Um, yeah, I'll tell you around the 40 million pound mark, but again, this is a figure I'm plucking off the top of my head. Um, I need to look into that in a bit more detail. I'm sure there's someone out there that can provide, uh, better information on that. Uh, Casey Clip says, are you also laughing at Spurs getting rejected by managers left, right and centre? Um, well, with the Arna slot thing, what actually happened from what I'm led to believe is that Arna slot didn't say, I'm not coming. I know this is funnier if we talk about Spurs being rejected for sure. But from what I understand, he didn't want the job unless he took all of his staff with him or something. And that would have cost Tottenham in and around 20 odd million pounds. Um, to kind of pay off Feyen or the compensation for all of those people moving at once. And and that's where Spurs decided that they didn't want to do that anymore and that that was no longer a thing. Um, from what I also hear, it wasn't that much money or there wasn't that much money between what Spurs had sort of accepted they were going to have to pay for any manager and his staff uh, and the price that Feyen were asking, which makes it even funnier. Um, but yeah, look, uh, Spurs are a mess. They're an absolute mess. Um, and uh, long may it continue. Uh, last question says Casey Clips. What do you think of Tottenham? PG podcast. Can't say it, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know what the answer is to that. Come on. Uh, right, guys, I am going to leave it there. We've been going for over an hour again. We've done some real jam packed shows over the last few days. Really, really enjoying them. Um, uh, thank you, uh, of course, for being a part of it. Thank you for tuning in, all the rest of it. It is very, very much appreciated. Um, and I can't wait to catch up with you guys again on the next one. Uh, we'll be dropping a, a short piece of content looking ahead at the Wolves game. That'll be available uh, tomorrow morning, um, pushing and leading up to the game. That'll be inclusive of Mikel Arteta's uh, pre-match press conference uh, clips as well and, and the bits not clips, but quotes, I should say, comments. I'm, I'm in such bad form today, getting all my words muddled up, but you know what I mean. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done so already. Please do leave a like on the video. If you're listening on audio, leave us a review. Check out NordVPN, and we'll be back um, with more very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Happy Friday. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.